For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In it through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. My name is Marshall. What's up, Marshall? Not a whole lot. VBS week? VBS week, yeah. You feeling the VBS vibes? Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's because it's still Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> no, I'm loving I enjoy it. I, uh, I'm i kind of doing this thing, though. Like my, my role in VBS is kind of like... I do some of the upfront stuff mm-hmm. during the opening and closing. And technically, I'm a team leader, but I've kind of dumped a lot of the responsibility onto my my partner, who happens to be one of my youth. <laughs> just because <laughs> I've also got other things that I need. I can't just like, uh, yeah. I, I there's other things. I'm doing a funeral this week, and so there's some things I got to work on. So I'm kind of like in and out, like poking my head. Mm-hmm. Everything's good, and then hanging out for a bit, and then moving off and. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a thing today. T- man, today is just a wild day for me. Today yeah. is one of those days where, because of like, yeah, VBS, this stuff, other church stuff, youth, and then other responsibilities I have. My day is like a, it's like a seven a.m. to eleven p.m. kind of day. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, yeah. I okay. I was told that mm. you were asked to take like a a backseat role in VBS. And you were like, no, either I'm on the stage or I'm out. That's no, no. Is that not? Okay. No, maybe, no. What maybe happened I was, was No, I, what I was happened, just making that up. No, I didn't know there was an actually what, what happened. What happened was, no, no, no. They asked me to be the the game guy. Ooh, the, the game guy. The guy who did like the game, like master the game time. Mm-hmm. And I don't like doing that stuff. You don't like games? Uh, no, I like games. I just don't like organizing games. I mean, I'm still organizing games in my, like I'm mm-hmm. just... I, I'm doing it anyways, but I didn't want to be like the wreck guy. I I enjoy participating in competitive events. I don't like having to organize and arrange and yeah, and that's not just not me. You know what I'm saying, boy. Put me in front of people with a microphone. I'm good, and most people aren't good that way. So like, I, that's a thing I can do. So let me do yeah. the thing that I I can do. That's yeah. you know, and who it's me- not who it's, measures who's good and who's it's not. not <laughs> no one is good. <laughs> there are none no. who are righteous. <laughs> oh boy. Anyways, but that's yeah, that's that's VBS. But it's been a while since we've sat at this table. It has been almost a month. Not no, quite. Not no, no, quite. no. Two and a half weeks. I mean, we are yeah, at least because it was June. Is that a new phone? This is a new phone. I saw it was a new case, but I didn't see it. This is a new but phone. But when you picked it up, I thought, well, Well, my new phone. old phone was like five or six years old, and it was just like, I had kind of made excuses to keep it for the longest time, and it was just not working anymore. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get like a less than brand new model because I thought that would be more cost effective. But the way that Apple does their stuff this podcast is not sponsored by not apple sponsored by the way by just anyone. in case anyone yeah. thought this was product placement. no even though everything we use is apple um yeah so i got a i got a brand new iphone and it mm-hmm. it feels like a way it feels you know what it feels like it feels like having a ferrari and just driving it around town to do groceries yeah like i have this piece of technology in my hand that can do amazing things and i'm literally just using it for like checking the weather texting <laughs> checking my email <laughs> it's just like it's cool it's got dude it's got four cameras on the back of it and like i don't even take pictures i have no interest 
Anyway, sorry. This is nothing. We are way, we are way off, way off base. I'm just catching up, Tim. I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. It's been a while. I know. I went to Arkansas. You went to camp. Muskoka. Yeah, it was good. Good times. Got a chance to meet, not meet, but see my aunt Mitzi. Okay. Who came up to me and said, "I'm one of your listeners." Oh, nice. One of them. We've identified one. Right. So now there's only one mysterious listener. <laughs> uh, and, and said that she has never missed an episode. Really? Yeah. Wow. She'll miss this one on accident. <laughs> never know that we gave a shot. <laughs> All right. So, so we've talked in this kind of mini series within the series so far. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the beauty of creation, life, the beauty of order, even the beauty of math. Yeah. Which is fun. Uh, coming from guys who aren't really math guys. But today we're talking about the beauty of worship, the beauty of submission, specifically to God, and figuring out whether or not that is beautiful too. Yep. Is that a beautiful thing? Yeah, and, and I would say, just as a reminder, when we say beautiful, we don't just mean like, oh, that's pretty. Mm-hmm. Right? We mean, is it is it a desirable thing? Yeah. Yeah. Is it something that you would look to and say, this is something that I want, not only that I would recognize as true, but that I would want to recognize as true, mm-hmm. right? Is it the better option, mm-hmm. not just the more correct option? Right, right. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think helpful to our discussion is just kind of defining what we mean by worship and submission. Mm-hmm. Worship you know, there's there's various words, biblical words in Greek and Hebrew, but the English word for worship actually comes from like worth-ship. So it, it kind of has to do with recognizing the, the worth or the value of a thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of where we get our idea of it, at least in, in our language. It's the heart of what worship is, right? Is Is recognizing, acknowledging, celebrating the inherent value of a subject. Um, and for many people, right, like... For many people, maybe outside the church, if they think of what does worship mean, you know, they probably conjure up images of like bowing down to a statue or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, within the church, oftentimes worship is kind of distilled down to just the musical portion of what we do, right? Like if someone says mm-hmm. they're a worship pastor, it's true. Right. If someone says I'm a worship pastor, that means music director. It means skinny jeans. It means skinny jeans. Where it, it did. It did. Yeah. For, now, for not about, so much. For about a decade. Yeah. Now Gen Z actually wears baggy stuff again because everything goes in cycles, right? Mm-hmm. But but the idea is like that that was kind of meant musical director because yeah. worship time was singing time, right? Um, but obviously worship is far more than that, right? And extends to, ought to extend to all areas of life. Mm-hmm. Um, submission. The definition that I pulled up was the submission is the act of accepting or yielding to a superior force or will of an authority or person. Yeah. And the reason we're coupling these things together is not because the two are synonymous. They're not. Um, but be, but because they're so interwoven, mm. right? It It's nearly impossible to worship a thing. To, to step back and look at something and say, that is worthy of my praise and not place yourself under it. Right. Right? And if that thing that you are elevating above yourself has a will, then you can only truly be worshiping that thing if you 
apply yourself to that will, which is submission. Yeah. And so uh, to, to submit is an act of worship. Yes. And that's why we're going to do these two things together. Yeah. And, and, and in part, what we're trying to do is we're trying to answer the question, not, not answer the question, but, but maybe address the statement is a better way to put it. To address the statement that people make so many times when they say, even if it were true, mm. I can't, I would never worship a God who required me mm. to worship him. Right, right. Who called on me to submit to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think like, so in our, in our context, you know, that kind of the modern Western world, um, you know, we hate submission as a society. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, at least sometimes, I mean, <laughs> it depends, right. Of course. But, but we're, we're freedom obsessed. We're autonomy obsessed, mm-hmm. right. It's, it's a core part of our foundational doc, um, documents and doctrines that we yeah. have in Western society, right? Um, I mean, it's, it, you know, freedom from the power is a huge part of, of our identity and what it means to be a modern Western person, right? And we don't want to bend the knee, so to speak, to anyone or anything ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's submission, submission in particular, worship maybe not as much, but submission is an ugly word. It's a hated word in yeah. our culture. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, um, whenever we do anything in extremes, mm. anything that is not good or right or holy of God, done to extremes, starts showing its its fractures and mm. starts imploding on itself, mm-hmm. right? You can get away with a lot of things in moderation, but whenever you start putting too much weight on a structure, giving it more weight than it's intended to bear, mm. you're going to start learning where that structure is weakest and where it's going to break. Okay. And even yeah. though I, I agree wholeheartedly that we are a people obsessed with autonomy, that's uh, of the words you use, that's the one that... I would go with the most. We are obsessed with autonomy, mm-hmm. but we have become so obsessed with autonomy that we've actually sort of circled around into this fascism, <laughs> yeah, right wing, like ultra right, yeah, concept of autonomy, yeah. That is, um, I want to be able to decide, and I want you to agree with me, right. Right? right, in a very rigid kind of a way. The serpent is eating its own tail. It, that's exactly that's yeah. exactly what's going on. Yeah. So I agree that we are obsessed with autonomy, yet we find very few people out there fighting for autonomy in a way that they would say, I don't agree with that person, but I will die for their right to say it. Yeah, that is what it means to truly be obsessed with autonomy. Yeah, there's not many of those folks right? now. Now, if I mean, if you're a proponent, it's so odd because at one time to be a proponent of free speech meant to be, you know, you were kind of like going against the man. That mm-hmm. was not a conservative idea. 
Mm-hmm. That was a very kind of liberal and progressive idea is freedom of expression. Right. And now if any, you hear anyone championing freedom of speech, like they're a far right, like yeah. neo-Nazi, like that's, that's how they're painted, right? It's just such a weird thing how these things go in cycles. And I think, yeah, like we're, we've, we've become so enamored with the idea of like freedom of personal expression that went now, now we're in this weird spot where it's like, well, people should be able to do whatever they want to do, but we can't also have people say whatever they want to say, because if what they're saying is not affirming to people doing whatever they want to do, then there's a conflict. And so which side do we choose? And it's a whole, it's a whole, yeah, and, and there's a wild divide on both sides on the right and the left. Oh yeah. Right. It's not a one. I, I think issue. most yeah. people who would listen to this would say, these guys are conservative, Right. Um, so they must be complaining about the left. Right. Right? But it goes both there's, ways. There's lots to complain about sure. on the left. Yeah. But also, there is a particular refreshment that has been the primary refreshment of its type enjoyed by the right for a very long time, who decided to make a political statement, and now people seen drinking that are being canceled. Oh yeah, <laughs> like not just the not just the brand itself. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. But I, I don't. I'm, I'm getting. I so every once in a while, I have a. I don't have an Apple phone. I have a Google phone. Okay, and and it will offer to me like news stories that I might be interested in. Okay, right. Um, and <laughs> I get a news story that a retired quarterback was seen drinking this beverage at a 4th of July picnic. <gasps> Heaven forbid. A news story. <laughs> and how people are blowing up and canceling this guy <laughs> who probably showed up at a 4th of July picnic. Somebody else had an ice chest had out there. Had a cooler. He something. opens it. He's like, this is what's here, right? <laughs> Folks. Here's here's my advice. Here's my global advice for the entire world. I love it. Let's hear Calm it. Calm down. <laughs> so true. And you know <sighs> you know what is most assuredly not going to help people calm down? What, tell them to calm, calm, calm down. down. <laughs> I mean, it works for my wife all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Have you oh, ever, Okay. Could you imagine just telling someone to calm down and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that does feel better. Thanks. You're like... You know, that's great advice. Actually, I think I will. So, okay. So, here's the thing, though. Like, as far as our aversion to submission, to mm-hmm. authority, like, there there are some reasons for that. Yeah. Right? Sure. Like, I mean, you can go back in history, right? Like, there, there are reasons why. Like, I mean, I've just listened, been listening to a podcast on the 30 Years War, which was essentially a fight in Europe between Protestants and Catholics because well, for a variety of reasons, but over religious freedom. Or you think of like the American Revolution, right? Mm -hmm. No taxation without representation. Like, So there are abuses of power that have happened historically, right? right? Or you think of like the institution of slavery or, you know, the whole civil rights movement, right? There are are situations where people in authority abuse their power and people got tired of submitting to that authority. So generally, I would say very generally, but... You know, when people nowadays think of they're they're inherently suspicious and antagonistic to institutions of authority or people of authority. Yeah, sometimes. 
<laughs> right. Depending. <laughs> and and so we're we're limited people. Mm-hmm. We operate based off of our experiences. Right. We're finite in our capacity to experience. And so we look around and we think, oh, this has been the experience. We need to guard against mm-hmm. that which was wrong and promote that which was right. Mm-hmm. Because those people who do take leadership are sinful people. Mm-hmm. That's not throwing politicians under the bus. That is to say, in a very reformed way, we are all sinners. Right. Right? Um, because they also are sinners. Mm-hmm. They will express their sin, and it will cause grief to those who are under them. That's right. the plight of authority, right? As a right. as a sinful and limited person, and so we react accordingly in a way that uh, is reasonable, and in ways that are not reasonable, right? <laughs> and so when we when we do the the process of thinking about a holy God, who would ask us to submit mm-hmm. or to worship, mm-hmm. oftentimes the lost world can only project onto that the category of comparing them, comparing God as a parallel being to those people that they've had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because here's the, the question, the, the reason why people might respond in the way that you you had described earlier where they're like, Oh, I, I wouldn't. I couldn't submit to a god who demands to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. Right? Is because because they can't wrap their minds around the demand for submission and worship, even potentially being a good thing. Yeah. Right. Like that's just the. It just can't. Like in their minds, it just that doesn't compute. Right. And I think though that idea comes from a view of God. A view or an understanding of who God is that is inferior to what is true, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's no, like for sure, right? So they're they're seeing they're they're seeing God as being too much like us, like some kind of like drama queen, right? right? Like the popular girl in high school who just needs to be the center of attention, right? Like that's that is how they're perceiving a God who commands. To be worshipped, right? And we'll get into why God is different. Oh yeah, but sticking sticking a little bit with why we don't like this. The reason we tend to see God that way is because that's who we are, right? Yeah, and that's who the people around us are. Mm-hmm. And so, what other category do I have right. except for an external category that would have to be revealed onto me? Right. Right. And so, I I just don't have categories for this sort of thing. Yet at the same time. I would also argue that worship is the most natural thing for us. Mm. If mm-hmm. you if you stop and consider societies across time and space, so modern societies that are particularly isolated societies, it's, it's more difficult when you ha- start getting into globalization. Right, right. But when you start thinking about isolated societies societies isolated by time or geography, so many of them are religious societies. In fact... Essentially, all of them are. In fact, it's... <laughs> when you look at secular societies, mm-hmm. entirely 
secular societies, that is imposed on the society, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And even then, so if you look like probably the best example of like a quote unquote imposed secular society in recent history, because if you go back further than the 20th century, you're going to be hard pressed to find anything. Right. Right. But you could, you could look at the USSR, but, but the USSR was not an irreligious society. It just, it replaced, it replaced God with the state. Right. And it was state worship. And you want, I know that on this list of secular societies would also be North Korea. Sure. No. <laughs> you want to tell me that Kim Jong-un yeah. is not being worshipped? Oh, yeah. Literally, when he walks out to give a speech, people are required to scream and swoon as if he were the fifth member of the Beatles. <laughs> right. Right? It's and, a great analogy. I love and it. So, and so there is worship there mm-hmm. in this in a very similar way as we would have seen worship of the pharaohs mm-hmm. in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. He is placing himself as a god mm-hmm. and he becomes then the expression of that heart's desire to worship. So mm-hmm. even though people have worshiped a number of different things, right? Monotheistic, polytheistic, the people who, you know, worshiping nature, worshiping ancestors, whatever, yeah. Whatever it is, there is an intrinsic desire within the human conscience to recognize something outside of itself Mm. that has greater value than the self. Right, right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Ancestry worship you mentioned, it's the exact opposite of what we do in Western culture today, (laughs) where they look back and they're like, the people before knew. We don't know. Right, right. Right? Whereas now... People are like, you know, you don't, you didn't even know how to put your kids to sleep. <laughs> We're the first generation to know how to put kids to bed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No one knew anything before. That's just our generational arrogance. Right. Um, I, I listen to a lot of history podcasts, and it's interesting because it, there is, amongst some, amongst some of the, the hosts of these shows, like, they just have to tear everyone to shreds Mm -hmm. like and obviously like no historical character is perfect right but they have to you know as the kids would say throw shade on everyone like everyone like no matter what it's like nobody can have a good motive nobody can be a even a relatively good person like every world leader every significant character throughout history has to be this terrible person that we just have to poo poo on and all this stuff like it's just yeah that's just where we're that's that's our world right now right sorry but when when you look at uh places where you have things like bands Mm. bands don't make their the greatest portion of their money through record sales Mm. or streams they make it through merchandise. Yeah. Why do they make that money through merchandising? Because people want to be a part of something greater than themselves, mm. and they want to elevate that group and wear it on their sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. got a band t-shirt. I'm not saying that that's worship because you bought it and you have to. I'm just saying there's there's this <laughs> desire to be a part of something greater, right? Right, right. right. The same is true. Like Even the NFL makes more money off of merchandise than they do ticket sales. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, and those are expensive tickets. Yeah, but so is the price of a jersey. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. But we have th- we have this desire to be a part of something 
bigger than us. Mm-hmm. It's very much our nature. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when we see that as a God, we go, no, <laughs> I don't do that. I'm autonomous. I'm my own person. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I think the difference is that we want the right to choose, mm-hmm. right? I want to choose what is the greater and what is beyond me, what is above me, mm-hmm. which I hope, you, I, hope you feel, right? yeah. I hope you feel the irony of that circling around, that if that thing is greater than you and beyond you and other and worthy, you're not the one who gets to decide right. because you're the inferior who is going to be encapsulated within, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there's... When we, when we decide for ourselves, I will or will not worship, mm-hmm. we're making ourselves the object of authority, mm-hmm. which is the place of the God right. that we are going to put ourselves under. And it becomes this sort of very peculiar relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Yeah. And I think that like that that desire to be able to choose what it is that I worship is something that isn't really new, right? Like a lot of people, a lot of people look at kind of contemporary culture, society, and, and assume that, you know, these are novel things and where did this come from this, you know, this thing, but these, these tendencies within human character are, aren't new, right? I mean, even if you look back, um, you know, you look back into the, the time of Rome, um, before Constantine, right? Like people, people worshipped kind of whatever deity they wanted. I mean, everybody kind of had to give their, you know, give their salute to the emperor. But, but yeah. you know, people had freedom to just kind of pursue whatever thing mm-hmm. they wanted, whatever kind of, you know, fit with their personality. And what what makes the monotheistic religions of Judaism, Islam, and, and most significantly Christianity different is that God says no. Right. Right. God says, you know, in Exodus 20, you shall have no other gods before me. And I think that before me doesn't mean you can have other gods, but I have to be number one. It's not about position. It's about presence. You will Mm -hmm. have no other gods in my presence. I am the one. Right. And that is a, that, that when God uttered those words to Moses, that was an, a massive departure from everything that came before and most of what came after. You think so? You think exclusivity is Ex- unique to Christianity? No, no, into the monotheistic religion. To the monotheistic yeah, religion. Yeah, so Islam, okay. Judaism, Christianity, which all, I mean, I, I would say that Judaism is a, is those who remain in Judaism are stunted from growing into what Christianity, like that Christianity is mm-hmm. a fulfillment of Judaism and Islam is a perversion of Christianity. Yeah. Um, so you so so the argument is then exclusivity is unique to the monotheistic religions. Ex- yeah, in the in yeah, that, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Cuz this is where I would argue that there's a different level of exclusivity. Okay. Zen Buddhism mm-hmm. says Christianity's fine. Right. It's going to take you only so far. Mm-hmm. But at least you're on a path. Right. But if you ever want to complete that path. Sure. You have to become completely self-aware and the only way to do that is through zen buddhism sure but but even what what is zen buddhism right this like is there there's going to be the there's path. 
Yeah, it, it's very vague. It's very like right. And even the Buddha, there are multiple Buddhas. Right, but, but there's not one Buddha. But Buddha himself is just a teacher. Right. But I would I would argue too though that an outsider's perspective on what is Christianity mm. would be equally as confused. Might be, yeah. Might be. Right? Yeah, is sure. Christianity the Eastern Orthodox Church mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. people in Russia that they have to go or the Russian Orthodox Church? Sorry, sure, yeah. the Eastern Orthodox Church, telling people they have to go to war mm-hmm. because this is a holy war and mm-hmm. basically making jihad right. in, in, with a Christian name? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it the Roman Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. Right? Is that what Christianity is? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, far-right, QAnon, <laughs> American evangelicalism? Uh what else is out there, right? Like yeah. these are the things that are the loudest voices. These are the things that sure. are around me. What is Christianity, right? Sure, In the yeah. same way, I think you could say, well, what is in Buddhism just because there's varieties I of get, it. I guess the exclusivity of, of the Christian witness is like from, from scripture is like, there is no other name under heaven yeah. given to men by which, by which men can be saved. Right. So the idea of like, it's, it's, it's Jesus period. Yeah. But I would, I would also argue that there's this bizarre exclusivity even inside of things like universal Unitarianism, which <laughs> right. in a redundant way wants to tell everybody we accept everybody, right? Except those who don't accept everybody. They, they, say, it, they say it twice <laughs> in their name, right? Right, right, right. But if you went into a church like that mm-hmm. with your Reformed Baptist perspective right. and said, thank you for accepting me, I'd like to teach a class here, and this is what I'm going to teach, they would say, you can't teach that here. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is exclusion. Right, sure. <laughs> right? And so so I, I think I think exclusivity mm. is unavoidable in a okay. world in a worldviews. Sure. That's okay. my position. Okay. I, I think I think where you're right is it's stated. Mm. But I would say it's executed by everyone. Right. Okay. Exclusivity is always practiced. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. Mean, I, even even your. I even, feel that. So look back on your uh, your polytheistic religions. It has been a yeah. very long day. That's okay. I, I've been in class literally all day, and the last thing the professor said was, "This has been mind-numbingly long lectures. You've got four more days of it." Don't do anything cognitive today. Don't do anything else that requires you to think. And I just laughed thinking I'm literally five minutes away from stepping into the podcast booth. <laughs> so if you look back historically on your polytheistic religions, uh, they were like multiple gods, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Christianity comes in and they're like, you're the reason that this is wrong because you worship that God and not these gods. You have to leave. Mm. Right? That's much of the early persecutions under mm. under Rome. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, fair enough. so yeah, I, I think stated and executed, I would I would have to divide those things. Okay. So Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. But so going back to this idea though, like God is the the again, the reason why people wrestle so much with this idea of submission to God is because their view of God is too human. Yeah, is too fallen, right. is too flawed, right? It's it's like it's it's almost as though they see him like Zeus, 
mm-hmm. right? Who's like messing around on his wife all the time, having like these like illegitimate children, throwing temper tantrums willy nilly, like going off on little adventures, you know, being stubborn or childish, even though he's allegedly a god. And so, you know, when when you when when a, your perspective of God is like more like a Marvel superhero than the omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent creator of the universe, then yeah, you're not going to like the fact that they demand worship from you Mm -hmm. because, because what right does a being like that have just because they're stronger doesn't mean they should, you know, require this of me. Right. Because there are also supervillains. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And just as an, just as an interesting cultural examination, because I literally overthink everything. Mm. Have you noticed how over the the decades the blend between whether or not even a superhero is good mm. how that has come into like into question mm. how you have like the superhero doing really wrong things mm-hmm. and showing his flaws and all that sort of thing whereas yeah. there was a time when it was just like this is the good guy. Right. And this is the bad guy. Yeah. And we know this. Well, and yeah, now, and yeah. now you even have Superman fighting Batman. Yeah. Well, to which yeah. my son is very confused. <laughs> right. Which one's the good guy? Right. 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 I mean, I don't know. I mean, Marcel would be the guy to check with, uh, you know, whether or not how far back in the lore you have to go to, to, to see that kind of conflict. But I think one good, you know, example, like I, I'm really into fantasy fiction and that sort of thing. But like in Lord of the Rings, you had clear-cut good guys mm-hmm. and bad guys, right? But, you know, in the 21st century, the most famous fantasy fiction series, the Game Game of Thrones, right. or I should say, actually, A Song of Ice and Fire is what the series is called, not Game of Thrones, but whatever. Um, there's no good guys. Everyone's a bad guy. Right. Everyone's wicked and depraved and flawed, and some have some more redeeming qualities than others, but nobody's really good, and everybody's bad. And, and so, like, that is... That is essentially like that's kind of I think a good indicator of how our society just views people in general. Right. Which, which like on one hand, as good Christians, we would admit that there's you know all all people are flawed and sinful. You know that that's a thing when it comes to human beings. But there's just this like really intense. It feels intentional blurring mm-hmm. of good and evil. And just a muddying of the waters of what is right and what is wrong. And everyone's got to be the bad guy, right? We got Russia, Ukraine. They're both bad. They got to both be bad guys. We can't, right. you know what I mean? Or or whatever conflict it might be, right? Like we can't, we can't, we're not allowed to pick a side because we have to question the goodness and motives of everyone all the time. And and, and, and the interesting thing in this, we're, this is, this is sort of the product of postmodernism of course right where postmodernism said the only thing we know for sure is that we can know nothing mm-hmm. for certain mm-hmm. um, the beautiful ridiculousness of postmodern <laughs> thought right and 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 the the problem is postmodern thought became the thing that we were talking about earlier it mm-hmm. is the table put under too much weight mm-hmm. and this is where it is broken right is that when you push postmodern thought to its end, you have to start creating moral categories to defend the fact that there are no moral categories, mm, right? Mm. 
And so now we can look at someone and we can be like, historically believed to be a good person, as per your podcast friends. Right, right. Yet, one time they did a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Or and they were part of a system. Right. That was, you know what I mean? They benefited from a system that was oppressive, therefore they're not good. They right. can't be good. And then we re- we want to unwrite history mm-hmm. based off of this knowledge. This isn't trying to exonerate people who did truly evil things, mm-hmm. right? This is just to say that this is the mindset that we are currently in, is to rewrite or unwrite history because it doesn't fit our categories. And this is a, a place of in time that has to be a flash, mm. right? This is, it's just unsustainable, yeah. right? And, and it again just shows sort of like this hyper-moralism, this hyper-secular moralism that has come onto the scene creating a concept of right and wrongs. Mm. I don't know how we got here, but this is a really fascinating conversation and I hope our listeners like it. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, so getting back to this idea of kind of worship and submission, right? And we already kind of talked about this, but like, interestingly, despite the aversion so many people have to submitting or worshiping a creator, um, we still like maybe, maybe, a mo- maybe a less provocative word might be honoring Right, like we honor all sorts of things in people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, by recognizing their value and their significance, right? That can be athletes and actors and business people and poets and authors and war heroes and musicians, right? Um, and we submit to people sometimes, right? Like, I mean, there's, you know, our parents, our bosses, police officers, governments, all of whom are less than perfect. Um, but we agree, at least depending, you know, on the context to some degree, to submit to them and to honor them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, this is a very thing. But so why why do we feel like God? Uh, the question, I guess, is why do so many people feel like God is being egocentric in demanding worship? Because they don't understand that he's different. Yeah. 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 I think I think people have this perspective that they think... Like that God is needing worship because he's demanding it, right? Because when Mm -hmm. we demand something, typically if we demand something, it's because we feel like we need it. Um, God doesn't need it. Like he's not insecure, right? He is self-sufficient, right? He's not, he's not sitting there like pining for our acknowledgement. Like, oh, I just wish that so-and-so would worship me more and then I could feel fulfilled and complete and Right. He's, that's not that's that's not who he is. And this is an important distinction with I think a, a really practical ap- practical point of conversation. Mm. Um when the song says he didn't want heaven without us. Yeah. That that sits so strangely for so many people. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's all in how you interpret that. Yeah, it is. Right? Because we were a part of his creation, created in his image, he wanted to maintain his creation, which was done for his glory, which was very good. And he wanted all of that. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't want it without us. Right. Because that was a part of how he chose to express his glory. Mm -hmm. But if you read it as... God was just like, I would be so lonely mm. without peoples. Yeah. 
Right. Heaven just wouldn't and, be perfect if this specific person wasn't there. Right. Right. It, like it's like oh. if then all of a sudden he becomes like, you know, the pining teenager who just needs that recognition from who, whomever queen. it is. Right. <laughs> and we're the prom queen somehow, and God's the nerdy <laughs> loser. Like that's just or the, like so many eighties teen movies. Yeah, right? every all like, of them. God's the one who's going to change the overalls for a dress and take off the glasses and let down the ponytail, and all of a sudden everyone realizes that this oh. is the most beautiful girl. <laughs> right? No. The the thing the thing in this that is important to realize is that God doesn't do this for the reasons that we would do it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think you're right. One people might say, well, well, God's just needy and clingy, mm-hmm. and that's gross. Mm-hmm. It is, and yeah. that's not who God is. Yeah. But also, they would assume that He's not worthy of it, mm-hmm. and so He has to require it of you. Right. Because if it's if He because at that point it's rule of law. Mm-hmm. And so if he is the one who gets to create the law, then he can require it of you. Mm. And now, even though he's not worthy, you wouldn't have come to recognize that on your own. He still gets what he was pining for, I guess, right? Mm. So, Mm. um, yeah, Yeah. I I think both of those are are false views, but still both of those are very much reading the person of God as a human. Keep in mind, man was created in the image of God. God was not created the image of man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's where we can go wrong with this yeah like a lot of kind of going back to the my whole like fantasy series thing whether it's books or or shows like a lot of a lot of books there is a show i haven't really watched it my brother's really into it but it's it's maybe a little bit too too much for 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 me to handle but uh i think it's called like american gods or something but the, the premise is and this is in a lot of series as well that the gods in those shows become more powerful when they're worshipped more. So mm. so their desire to be worshipped, like they want to be, if they're worshipped more, then they get more power, right? That like boosts them up, oh, right? Yeah. And so this, again, that's another faulty way of saying like, you know, oh, if we want God, if we want God to be more able um, and more active, you know, in our world, then we need to give him more worship so that he can be, you know, you know, he can get that like power boost to do whatever it is that we want him to mm-hmm. do. And that's just again, and and that that sounds silly as I say it, but there's a there are there is some Christian teaching that will kind of dip their toes in that kind of water. That like, hey, if we want to see God move, we gotta do this thing. Right. We gotta do this thing. We gotta sing these songs. We gotta Stop to, to somehow empower God empower, to release God to yeah. do the thing He was going to do. Yeah, right. But that, so there was a, there was a book that came out about maybe about ten years ago, maybe not quite that long ago, about the Trinity. Um, wildly popular in our circles. I hated it. Okay. On multiple levels. What was it called? I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> 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 it's probably been reviewed positively on the Gospel Coalition Canada. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I really, really disliked about it is when they were talking about God the Father, um, they were talking about how for too long the thing that was the identifying aspect, the, the key attribute of God, which I don't think you can define a key attribute. Attributes just are an identification of who they are, right. neither key nor 
secondary. But when you identify the key attribute of God, um, it's not right to use holiness because that instills in people's minds this sort of like slap on the back of the wrist, uh, evil school teacher kind of a thing, like hypermoralism. But that's not what holy means. And I was really frustrated that this person kind of went there with connecting holiness to moral policing. Right. Um, right. What holiness means is set apart. Different. It means other. Yeah. And in fact, I would say, I, I would might push back slightly. I said, if you were going to identify so one of them, right? Because, because we hear that God is loving, right? We hear that God is just. But but the only one that's repeated three times is God is holy, holy, holy. Right. And if we like, we have to our our ears need to be perked up when we hear something repeated three times. And I would say that humanity practices justice, mm-hmm. but God's justice is other. It's holy. It's holy. Yeah. His it's love set is apart. Holy. Yeah. Right. It is even His wrath is. It holy. is a different thing. Yeah, everything is holy. And, yeah. And this is, and and that's why I say not just. I disagree with, but I really don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, is because I also agree, if I was going to give a primary attribute, that would be it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we, we look at what it means for man to be created in God's image. And Creflo Dollar and a number of those other uh, name and claim guys like to take the whole image. That's the guy image. you preach like, right? <laughs> another... <laughs> sorry. I'm just trying to throw you off. Another, okay, sorry. They, they, sorry. Like to take, they like to take the concept and be like... In the image of God means mm. we're little g-gods. Oh, yeah. Right? Ugh. And all this sort of... No, in the image means this. You've got a burger. Don't think fast food menus because that'll flip this around. <laughs> but you've got a burger, and then you've got an image of the burger. Mm. One is substantive. The other one is useless, yet represents the thing. That's what we're talking about here. Right. No one wants to eat that picture. Right. It's not going to give you nutrition. Mm. It's not going to be tasty. Mm-hmm. What's its point? Its mm. point is to say this thing should cause you, when it's done right, should cause you to desire the real thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're the image. The thing without substance. Right. And many of us have wrinkled ourselves and crumpled our paper and torn it so many times that it hardly represents the thing. Yeah, I feel but that. But still, it was created that way. Right. Right? And so so that we're image bearers of God doesn't mean that we're equal to or like or carry even some of the attributes of God. He mm-hmm. is something altogether different. Right. And entirely other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And 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 even though he's revealed himself, we will, and and particularly in a secular secular world, you will hear it said. But if this is what he calls right, mm. I won't go there, mm. right? Because even if he's other in his power and authority, what if he's wrong? And I see this as wrong, and so I won't go there. Not asking the question, what if me, in my common state, mm. what if I'm the one that's wrong? <laughs> and, and 
Yeah. So Joe Aslanair. This mm-hmm. is just the name drop episode. Joe. Joe. Miss you, Joe. Yeah. Joe doesn't listen, but whatever. Joe was counseling someone one time. Mm. And this woman just kept saying, like, this is I feel this way, I feel this way, I feel this way about this. And and he just kind of casually said, like, when was the last time you questioned your feelings? When was the last time you you thought, I'm feeling this way? Is that am I right to feel this way? Mm. Can I justify mm. these feelings? She lost it. Like, yeah. Like, was just like, not like angry throw and stuff or whatever, but just like, didn't even know how to respond to that. Like, right. what do you mean? It, this is how I, this is how I feel. So, of, of course that's justifiable. Right. Right. Are you assuming mm-hmm. that I might not have a perfect understanding of all things going on around me and that I wouldn't always respond in perfect ways, even though I have gone to counseling to help me respond to things because I can't come up with the appropriate response on my own. Right. Of course, my emotions are the, you know, the, the, the perfect way to measure reality. Right. (laughs) Right. There's no better way. What better way could I measure the, you know, the truthfulness of anything rather than how I feel about it? Yeah. And so this incredible way she, she has gone and paid good money for help, mm. but then is shocked at the notion that she might not be doing things right on her own, mm. right? Which is, when you back away from it, a really strange place to be. Mm-hmm. And and when we look to God and we say, even if there was a holy God set apart and other, he would need to operate according to what I believe to be true. Right. And then and then in humility, I, I think universally people are willing to say, I don't know everything. Right. Like those people yeah, are gonna go sure. because I know everything. Right, right, right. Right? Or because I'm always right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um but yet at the same time they place themselves in the point of judge. Mm-hmm. And and that's just that's a strange sort of tension that we require of a relationship with God. But if God is entirely other, if he is all-knowing, all-powerful, um, omnibenevolent, mm-hmm. omnipresent, all of these things that we talked about way back in January, mm-hmm. if he's mm-hmm. really these things, then we have really no place to say, yeah. here are my thoughts. Yeah, And that's just not something that we're accustomed to. And right. I, I think when we ask the Western world to do that, much like that lady, they just sort of look around and be like, "Wait, wait a minute." Yeah, I know I'm. I know that I don't know everything, but why would you assume that I don't know everything? Right. <laughs> well, the reality is, I think. I think you know, as Christians, what we need to to recognize is that God's call, uh, call on us to worship Him, is done out of love. Like it's actually a loving thing because he is all knowing and because mm-hmm. he created us, he knows what is best for us. And what's best for us is to lead a life where we are recognizing his goodness, his mercy, his power, his justice, his love in every facet of our lives. Right? Like like he wouldn't he wouldn't call on us to worship him. Like again, because he doesn't need it. He doesn't need our worship. We need to worship him. He recognized that it's something that that is something that we need to be able to do. 
And why? Because we were created for worship, right? Because we are image bearers, which are reflections of his glory, because we were created for, you know, relationship with our creator, right? Because because it is it is proper and right and and kind of written into who we are to worship as we discuss even, you know, secular people or whatever will just naturally worship something, right? To you know, we exist as, you know, like the Westminster uh, catechism would say, right, to to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so there is something beautiful and desirable about a thing doing what it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. And so if we were designed to worship, if we were designed to recognize and revel in and reflect and praise who God is, then when we do that, that is a that is a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. Because it we're we're a th- we're doing what we were made to do. Right. We're we're part of a system. Mm. We're part of a system physically. We're part of a system spiritually. Mm-hmm. A system created by God, designed by God. And when God reveals himself and his law to us, mm. he is telling us this is where you fit within the system. Which means that is where we're going to be most comfortable. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to be most productive. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going to be most at peace. Right. Is when we are in that role. And and so rather than looking at the things that God has instructed as these things imposed upon us, I think instead we look at them as the cheat code. Yeah. yeah I like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I was when I was teaching, I had this incredible moment. I, I know that I've used this in a sermon before. I, I really like reusing illustrations um, because it helps people remember and because I don't know that many. <laughs> so I, I'm, I've given instructions on an assignment, mm. right? And as soon as I'm done, as a junior hire would do, mm-hmm. kid raises his hand. I don't know what to do. <laughs> this was so prevalent that I had a rule, ask three before you ask me, Right. Don't I, I've been up here explaining this. Mm-hmm. Please don't give me that. Don't mm-hmm. bother me. Ask three other people in the room. And if nobody else in the room can explain it to you, then it's my fault. Sure. I didn't explain the assignment well. Yep. yep. I'll do it again, right? Yep. But chances are the person next to you knows what to do. Yep. And so uh he looks to his his friend next to him and his friend goes, just do this, this, and this. And I was like, oh no, that is like wildly wrong. Like, if if he does that, he's not even going to get any kind of score on this project, right? Like, incredibly wrong, what he was just told. And the room erupts. No, 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 it's It's this, da, 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 da. Yeah. And the guy who gave the advice goes, no, I heard what you said, but I'm just going to do this. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. You should do what I told you to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, but I think it's going to be okay. And the most smug 13 year old way ever. And I looked at him and I said, I am the author of the assignment and the judge by which the assignment will be graded. I have already told you it will not be okay. (laughs) And and he just looked at me and goes, but it'll be okay. <laughs> so what do I have left to do but to go, 
do your thing. <laughs> right? See how that works out for you, bub. And he did. <laughs> the audacity. He does. He does his own thing. Right. And, and unfortunately, so does this buddy sitting next to him, oh, right? No. And I I failed him. Sure. On the assignment. Yeah. And they're like, what the heck? <laughs> It's hilarious, except that mm. it has incredible, incredible application in how we treat God. Yeah, 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 for sure. And failing the assignment mm-hmm. has eternal consequences. Yeah, yeah. I I talked about it for the last couple of weeks in sermons. So again, I'll bring it up when we talk about. God showing himself to us in scripture. Mm -hmm. It's revelation. That's the word the Bible uses over and over again. Mm -hmm. It's enlightenment, Mm. right? That Mm -hmm. means turning on the light switch and removing the curtain. Yeah, That's what those two words mean. Mm -hmm. And basically, the way that I always teach that is to say, it's like trying to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Mm Mm-hmm. You bang your toe on everything. You walk around with your arms out, even though there's nothing there. You just mm-hmm. don't want to hurt yourself. Right, right. And it takes you however long it takes you. Mm-hmm. But in the daytime, <laughs> you just get up and go. Right, yeah. You don't have the same fear. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same pain. Mm-hmm. The whole process is simpler. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the room has been enlightened. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, and that's that's what God is doing. God is, God is, wanting us to be enlightened and a a key means of that is through worshiping him through the various means of worship that he's he's called us to right and you know we can we worship god again like we said earlier like not just through song i mean we do through singing about him i mean there's just the beauty of the human voice beauty of human voices together beauty of worship music i mean you can watch all sorts of reaction videos of like there's like reaction videos online of people who are like non-believers just like experiencing worship music and just being like overwhelmed emotionally right. and not understanding why. Like why is this affecting me so much, right? Um, I mean, I've got some theories, but but you know, even just coming to know him through his his word can become an act of worship when when things come together, when the lights turn on, right? Like over the last couple of weeks we had our both of our interns, both Sam and Ryan preaching, and they were preaching on the the tabernacle and the priesthood. And both of them did a really great job of connecting these these things in the Old Testament that, you know, a first-time reader might just read through and be like, oh, that's weird. They got this weird outfit or they got this weird tent or they got the very specific things. But both of them connected them so well with the fulfillment of Christ in the New Testament and, and how that translates and how, and, and really putting the Old and New Testaments together. And for me, just... You know, because I spent a lot of time in Bible college and seminary, like the, I are kind of already knew where they were going and, and kind of given some direction. But like, but to see uh, see it come together for other people who you know sitting around me in the sanctuary, and they're like, you can just watch them as like kind of the lights come on, like, oh, that's why that's that way. Oh, that's why that's what that connects mm-hmm. to. Oh, that's what that means. And just like just and then all of a sudden there's worship because it's like, oh wow, God's word is is true. God's word is 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 so consistent and so interconnected and so beautiful and just coming to know him that way you know intellectually you know so knowing knowing God intellectual intellectually knowing God experientially 
Like when you experience the power of God in your life, I mean, when he works through you, being used by him in various ways, I mean, again, these things, these experiences, they, they turn the lights on, they draw you into worship because you're recognizing how amazing God is and and how beautiful and wonderful and desi- desirable thing, like you hunger for it. When you experience that, you get a taste of it, you hunger for more of it. And, uh, and the reason why you hunger for it once you've experienced it is because it is an actual good thing and it is what we were designed to to experience, right? So mm-hmm. I think the only the only argument that I think is left to stand mm. for worship not being seen as a desirable or good thing, mm. submission being a desirable or good thing is just our human desire to be the thing worshiped. Right? And and for that, there is no answer. I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any answer for that. I think if someone just wanted to say, no, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand against it. Mm-hmm. I've heard the assignment. I understand why it works. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be okay. I'm, I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Right? At that point, we're looking at not we, we've talked a lot about willful disbelief. Mm-hmm. That's just willful rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what that's how sin came into the world. It is right. They, they they were told this is what you need to do in order to live. This is the, the these are the rules. This is the framework. These are the boundaries. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think like and I believe in a literal interpretation of of the garden narrative. But I think it also operates on a philosophical level oh, as yeah. well. Oh, right? yeah. It speaks to a much bigger issue than just a fruit and a tree. Right? It speaks to this idea of I can go my own way and be fine. Mm-hmm. Right? And and this idea of like like that that is essentially the root of human rebellion and sin and, and the cause of all of this, right? right? And so like the only way ultimately like really to be freed from that is for God to free you from that. The original sin is the deepest root, mm. right? Yeah. That has been feeding every every sin that follows goes back to that. And oh, yeah. An original sin is not eating an apple when no. you were not told to be an ap- eat an apple. Yeah, right. Like you, you can reduce yeah. the original sin down to pettiness, which is mm-hmm. which is a tactic that secular apologists like to do. Right? Oh, yeah. All of this over eating an apple. Now, the point was God is other and greater. You have a role, a place to play. It is a lesser role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Accept your role or don't. Mm-hmm. And then God provided them with a way to say no mm-hmm. an apple, a fruit. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. I understand it was probably more like a pomegranate. Whatever. <laughs> we have no idea. We don't. <laughs> we don't. A fruit. But essentially, it is. It is. It's like it sounds harsh, but it is. The reality is, and this is this is why I think the gospel is hard in our culture. But it is. It is submit or die. It is. It is submit to submit yourself to God. Understand who you are and what you are in the scope of this universe and live. Mm-hmm. And live life to the full, live live eternally in the most beautiful, fulfilling, um, exciting life possible, 
or choose your own way and die. Yeah, I I would say I, I would frame it a little bit differently. Well, yeah, if so I would was, I. So would I. Just to be clear, so would I. But I yeah, just, yeah. Because what what I would say is like just taking Matt, uh, John three sixteen and seventeen mm-hmm. and eighteen. Um, I I would say this ship is sinking. Mm-hmm. You need to get on the boat and take a seat, or you're going to get left. Mm-hmm. You're going down with this boat, and so many of us just want to say, "Who are you to tell me what to do?" Right, right. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. That's a weighty end. It's heavy. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Bye.